Welcome to the Badger's Tales. Join me each episode as we wander the wild woodlands of Irish storytelling, foraging for the often forgotten stories of Ireland's past. Hello everyone and welcome back to Badger's Tales episode 4 with me Badger. I am a storyteller uh, from Ireland. I love folklore mythology. It's actually my job. I've been running the National Leprechaun Museum for 11 years now and this is what I love doing. But this podcast is is something that's that's just for me to share with all you guys. And to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't be doing it at this stage if it wasn't for the amazing community and people that I found over on TikTok of all places. I was not expecting that to be the place where I found people that I could share my love and my passion for folklore and sticks. And I'm sure I'll, ex- I'll explain that about the sticks at a later time. But um, yeah, the TikTok community have been absolutely amazing and going on there and just producing little 15 seconds or 60 second pieces and doing lives has really given me the encouragement to do this podcast. So thank you so much to everyone over there. But when you put yourself out there, you put yourself out there for, you know, for questions and engagement. And probably the most common question I've been asked is, what's my favorite story? And I'd like to say that I love all stories equally, but I don't. But today, in episode four, I decided to share my actual favorite story that I love to tell. Now, the stories that I love to listen to that I think I would never be able to to manage them. But this is my favorite story. And I hope you guys enjoy it. This is a story of three ordinary men, Hudden, Dudden and Donald O'Leary. Now, Hudden and Dudden both had parcels of land, and on that land they had plenty of heads of cattle, nice homes, and they lived with their mothers. In between these two men lived Donal O'Leary, a very similar kind of a man, but his parcel of land was much smaller. It was just a sliver. His home was a lot more humble, and he also lived alone with his mother, but he had but one cow. And for as little as Donald had, he was a very happy man. He was always one to be walking along with a whistle and a bit of a jig in his step. And this did nothing but wind up Hudden and Dudden. These were two cranky old men who didn't enjoy seeing anyone happy. They wanted everyone to be as miserable as they were. And the thing is, they had no real reason to be miserable. Now all these men were late enough in their years and their mothers were little more than ornaments. They didn't move, they didn't talk, they simply existed. And Hudden and Dudden seemed to just be waiting for the day when their mothers died. But the past the time, they spent their days watching the comings and goings of Donald O'Leary and fantasising about all the awful things that could happen to him. All the misfortune that could make him miserable. To take the, the jig out of his step and take the whistle out of his breath. His mere existence seemed to be a thorn in the foot of Hudden and Dudden. One night, as the two men stood out by one of their fence posts. They watched Donald O'Leary go into his house and after a little while they saw the lamplight go out and assumed he had turned in for the night. At this point, Hudden turns to Dudden and says, Do you know what we should do? We should go in there and we should kill his cow. Hudden's reasoning for this was that if they killed Donald O'Leary's cow, then Donald would have no way to support himself and his mother, he'd have no food on the table and he'd be destitute. He'd lose his home and he'd lose his land. 
and Hudden and Dudden would no longer be exposed to the joyous nature of Donald O'Leary. Well, these two men weren't a type to make plans or think things through, and straight away they looked at each other, pulled their pocket knives out of their jackets, and snuck into Donald's land. Comfortable that no one could see them, Hudden and Dudden stabbed Donald O'Leary's cow till it was filled with holes and lying dead. The next morning, Donald O'Leary rose, lit the fire, and made his way outside to get milk from the cow for his breakfast. When he saw his cow on the ground, riddled with holes, he couldn't believe his eyes. He put his hands on his hips, rolled his eyes back and said, Oh my goodness, he says, my cow looks like he's fallen over last night and fallen repeatedly onto the rake, filled himself with holes and now he's dead and gone. Like I said, Don O'Leary was generally a very happy man, so he saw the best in every situation. He thought to himself that, If he was to skin the cow, he could take its hide to the nearest town and sell it and get some money that way. And that's exactly what he did. After checking on his mother to make sure that she was well settled and being as still as always, he set off north with the hide thrown over his shoulder with the flesh side out. He walked along the paths, he walked through fields and he cut through some woods. As he was walking through the woods whistling to himself, suddenly he heard a bird. He looked up and saw a blackbird on the branch which seemed to be hopping along following him on his path. He set low to the bird which then flew down onto his shoulder and rested on the hide, picking at the flesh. All the while the bird was chattering to itself and it didn't sound normal. It sounded like words, but words that Don O'Leary couldn't understand. But he just thought it was nice to have company along the way. So he took the bird in his hand and put it in his inside coat pocket. When Donald finally arrived at the town to the north, he was dying with a thirst. He knew there was plenty of time for him to sell the hide, so he made his way into a small tavern and walked straight up to the bar. There he ordered a small whisky. As he watched the barmaid pour him a glass from a cheap bottle of whisky, the bird started to chatter in his pocket. Straight away the barmaid turned around and, and asked him what he'd said. Well, Donald explained that it hadn't actually been him that had spoken and he pulled the board out of his pocket and held it on the bar. This, he said to the barmaid, is my good friend. He's like a brother to me. He's my travelling companion and he's been with me my whole life. He's a magical board and he tells me when someone is doing me wrong and he says that you're pouring me the cheap whiskey and that you've much better stuff under the counter. The barmaid apologised and said it was an honest mistake and as she poured him a good glass of whiskey, she asked if it was possible for her to buy the board that in her line of business, and as a woman whose husband had passed, she always had people trying to rip her off, whether it was suppliers or customers, and that having a bird like that would save her an awful lot of hassle and an awful lot of money. I could never part ways with my my feathery brother here. He's family. There's no amount of money that you could offer me that would make me give him up. The barmaid repeated her offer again, and Donald thought about it. He rubbed his chin and looked at the board and he said to the barmaid that if she could fill his hat with silver that he would give her the board so long as she looked after him. The deal was made, the hat was filled with silver and Donald O'Leary polished off his glass of whiskey. He then strode off down into the town and sold a hide for a few pence more. Happy with himself, he turned around and started making his way home. 
Hudden and Dudden were huddled together at the fence, plotting and planning on how they would divide up Don O'Leary's land. And they couldn't believe their ears, nor their eyes, when they saw and heard Don O'Leary coming down the path with a little jig in his step and a song on his lips. Gentlemen, he says, you wouldn't believe my fortune. I woke up this morning and it was a bad start to the day because it would seem my cow had died in the night, falling over on the rake again and again. But I've heard of a town up north where you can sell a single cow's hide for a hatful of silver. The two men angrily scoffed, laughed and jeered at Don O'Leary until out of his pocket he pulled handfuls of silver. The two men's eyes widened. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. Somehow Don O'Leary had come out on top. They watched as Don O'Leary disappeared into his small home and the door closed. Then Hudden and Dudden turned to each other. Their eyes met and they didn't say a word. Again they pulled their knives from their pockets and this time they attacked their own cows, stabbing them and skinning them. And with the hides thrown over their shoulders, they made their way north. The whole way there, Hudden and Dudden were breathless, carrying the hides on their backs. But what breath they did have, they talked about how they were going to spend their money and the life they were going to have. And when they eventually arrived at the small town, they were roaring at the top of their voices, Hides for sale, hides for sale, fill my pockets with silver, hides for sale. People looked at them as if they were mad, but one man approached them and asked them how much they wanted for a hide. When they explained that they wanted pocketfuls of silver and that they wanted to be made rich from these hides, the man scoffed and laughed. They were really confused. A second man approached and asked him the same question and they explained again and very soon there were people gathered around just laughing at them. They knew Donal O'Leary had tricked them. They sold the hides for what little they could get and they set off home filled with rage, gripping the knives in their pockets. Now, Donald was a happy man, but he was no fool. He knew that he had tricked Hudden and Dudden and that they would want revenge. He, of course, suspected that they were the ones who have killed his cows. So that night he had a plan. When he was turning in for the night, he explained to his mother that it was a cold night. It fell on deaf ears, but he insisted that she sleep in his bed by the fire and he would take the small drafty back room. This was a wise move indeed because by the time Hudden and Dudden had made their way back to their homes, they had already decided what they were going to do. It wasn't enough to kill Don O'Leary's cow. They knew they had to do him in themselves. So as soon as it was dark, and they saw the lamp line had gone out, they bided their time. And just after midnight, the two men snuck over to Don O'Leary's house. They quietly opened the door, and they could see the figure in the bed, In the darkness, Hudden kept watch, while Dudden crept over to the bed. As soon as he was close enough, he pounced. He jumped onto the body, held a pillow over the face, and stayed there until he knew they were no longer drawing breath. Now, Donald in the back room had heard the scuffles, and he waited a while before he reacted. But he just stuck a leg out of the bed and stomped his foot on the floor. Well, as soon as Hudden and Dudden heard this, they thought to themselves that Don O'Leary's mother had woken up, and they quickly made their escape, closing the door behind them. When Donald heard the door closed, 
he simply put his foot back under the blankets, rolled over and went back to sleep. Sure, it's not like there was anything he could have done at that hour anyway. The next morning, after a good night's sleep, Don Leary arose. He went in and casually checked on his mother, seeing that she'd passed but not noticing much of a difference in her, bar she was a couple of degrees colder. He then decided to light the fire and put himself on a good breakfast. He was going to have a busy day and he knew he needed a good feed before setting off. He had plenty of money for a good funeral after selling the magic board to the unsuspecting barmaid, but why waste the money on the dead? No, he was better off keeping that for himself. So Donlon Leary, after he'd polished off his breakfast, tucked his mother's lifeless body under his arm and set off to the east, off to find some kind of bargain. And if he couldn't find one, well then maybe he'd just drop the body somewhere where it wouldn't be found. His mother had always loved nature and sure wouldn't it be a gift to her to leave her in the landscape. Well it was early in the morning so he walked and walked. He was enjoying the morning sun and there wasn't another sinner on the road. But eventually after walking for a while he came to a small village that was laying in the east. This, Donald thought, was a good chance to take a break. He found in the middle of the village there was a well. And the small town was only starting to wake up so he propped his mother up against the edge of the well and made his way into a tavern that had just opened. Donald thought it was a good time for a second breakfast. So he sat down, ordered a plate of food and a sup of tea. After a few mouthfuls of food and a couple of sups from his mug, Donald called to the landlord and he said to him, he says, this food is fantastic and the tea is so sweet, but my mother's outside resting by the well. We've been walking all morning and my poor dear mother is tired. You wouldn't call out to her there and just tell her that we've got some food for her and serve her up a plate and another pot of tea. The landlord did exactly that. He went over to the open door of the tavern and called gently across to the woman where he could see her standing by the well. And when there was no reply, he turned to Donald O'Leary. Donald said that the woman had really gotten on in years and her hearing was failing her that he'd have to call a bit louder. And that's what the landlord did. He called a second time, being polite but being a a bit more stern, he called across to the woman to say that he had food and her son waiting for her. Of course, still she didn't answer. Donald reluctantly looked at the landlord and he says, Listen, he says, I'm sorry to put you out, but I can't get up from this food. It's exactly what I need. You wouldn't just go over to her and just give her a little nudge, just give her a little tap on the shoulder to get her attention and bring her in and serve her up some food. Well, the landlord was happy to help. He made his way across the small small open space outside the tavern, and when he got to the old lady, he put his hand on her shoulder. Well, as soon as he put her hand on her, she toppled forward and fell down into the well, and the landlord let out such a scream as he heard the splash in the water below. He continued to scream and as I said the little town was waking up and suddenly traders and were people coming out of their doors. I mean Donald still kept eating but suddenly the the landlord was crying for help saying that a woman was drowning and everyone was gathered around the well trying to reach down and get her out. By the time they'd recovered the sopping wet body Donald O'Leary had polished off his breakfast and was now standing with the crowd. The landlord was red faced and he had tears in his eyes and he begged and pleaded with Donald for forgiveness. 
he couldn't believe what he'd done. He said that he'd, he'd only just put his hand on her shoulder and she'd fall forward. He was so sorry that a visitor to their town had died in such tragic circumstances. Don LaCourse was heartbroken and, and, and lost for words as he watched as everyone sympathised with him. Eventually he found the power of speech. My poor mother, he says, and all my brothers and sisters back home have lost her. We're nothing without her. She's the bedrock of our family. The whole village felt responsible somehow for this tragic death. For it to happen on their own doorstep to a stranger was something that they would probably never forgive themselves for. Donal O'Leary allowed himself to be consoled by everyone and the, the landlord he spoke for everyone who was there that day when he said that they would take care of everything. They would arrange the funeral. They would pay for the casket and the burial. They'd do everything they could to make it up to Don O'Leary. In fact, people started stuffing money into his hands, taking watches off their wrists and, and jewellery off their necks and just stuffing it into his pockets and saying sorry. The landlord insisted that he would take care of everything. He would take care of the body and that if Donald could just go and gather his family together, all of his brothers and sisters that he told him about, that by the time they returned, everything would be prepared. Well, reluctantly, Donald agreed. With his new treasures stuffed in every pocket and hanging off every corner of him, he agreed to, to leave the town and go and gather his family together, while the villagers and the landlord made all of the necessary arrangements. Donald sobbed as he walked out of that town, but as soon as he was far enough away, the spring was back in his step and he had a whistle on his lips. It's at this point we see Hudden and Dudden back at their own lands, leaning up against the fence. Not a trace of guilt or shame for what they'd done. In fact, they were quite delighted and again making plans for how they would divide up the land and how they would put Donald's mother into a home. That's if she didn't just die of shock from finding out that her son had died during the night. The next thing Hudden and Dudden heard was a whistle on the air. A familiar tune and melody that caused both men to turn their heads. Well, as soon as they saw Donal O'Leary walking towards them with a, a whistle on his lips and a jig in his step, the two men were as white as ghosts. And Donal O'Leary greeted them with as much life in him as he ever had. Gentlemen, he says, you wouldn't believe it. Tragedy stuck again this morning when I found my dear old mother lying peacefully in her bed with all the life gone out of her. But you see, I'd heard talk of a town to the east of here where the rebels were gathering and they were actually willing to buy dead bodies to grind them up to make gunpowder. They actually said that older women made the best gunpowder, that they were explosive in their nature and that you'd get a more powerful blast out of them. So they paid me so handsomely for her body. Well, Hudden and Dudden were snapped out of their shock and immediately thought that this was ridiculous and began again to jeer and scoff at Don O'Leary. That was until he pulled out of his pockets the money, the watches the gold chains all the things that the people in the village had given him as compensation for his dead mother the riches were the only proof that Hudden and Dudden needed to know that the story was true and this time they didn't wait until nightfall they quickly rushed back to the houses and smothered their own mothers in their bed took them under their arms and set off to the east
and I can be fairly sure that when Hudden and Dudden arrived in that little town with two dead old women under their arms, shouting, dead old women for sale, dead old women for sale, fill our pockets with treasures, dead old women for sale, that they were met by a lynch mob. And it's no surprise that Hudden and Dudden never returned back to their homes. I've no doubt that Donald O'Leary continued on with his life, as happy as he'd always been, with a whistle on his lips and a jig in his step. So that story's always going to be a favourite for me. I hear great stories all of the time. I go looking for them, but I always come back to that story when it comes to, to telling a story for me. It's just got everything that I want from it, but the villains in it are obviously Hudden and Dudden. But is Don Leary meant to be our hero? I mean, the guy is happy enough to sacrifice his mother for his own gain. I think he must be some kind of sociopath, like lacking in feeling, but he's a fantastic character. And I always see Hudden and Dudden as being like those two, two grumpy old men from The Muppet Show. So if you want to go back and listen to the story again and picture them in your head, I think it just adds a whole different dimension to the story. But I'm glad you guys could join me this week for another episode of Badger's Tales. I hope you enjoyed this and I'm sure I'll be back next week with something completely different. In the meantime, look after yourselves, look after each other and I'll see you in a week's time. <laughs>